We want to pray for him. Becky's having issue with her eyes. Uh, and so we want to pray for her. I see skateboarders here. Gary is here. We want to continue to pray for everyone that needs it. John Hammond, he needs, he needs healing in his body. You know, just because you reach a certain age doesn't mean your mind has to diminish, does it? That's right. Where do we pick up that lie at? You know, I believe God is more than able and more than willing yes. to heal every one of these people. Yes. Yes. And we said, but what if this? Let's stand up. We're going we're gonna to pray for all of those that are out in it's Facebook and YouTube land. Father, we lift these precious saints before you, Father God. We pray for healing in Jeff's foot, healing in Becky's eye. We pray for healing in Gary's body and, and Richard White's body. We pray for healing, Father God, in John's body. We thank you, Father God, that the distance, is, as Anita said, is nothing for you, Father. Yes, we thank you for raising up her cousin. And, Father, we pray yes, for total, Jesus. complete healing. Yes, your word God. is confirmed with signs and wonders following. Jesus. And, God, you're the source. Yes, we're just the conduit. You're the source. Yes, and, God, out of obedience to your word, we're asking you to heal your people. Yes, to heal every one of these people. Father God, that your name would be glorified yes, in their lives, in their family, in their bodies. And God, it would raise up as a testimony of the goodness Jesus, of God in this day that Jesus. we're in. So God, we thank you and we praise you. We bless you, holy God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God is so good, isn't he? All right, please be seated. Oh, yeah, Terry's going to preach a minute. Business on. Before we ever created Genesis, we gave. We didn't give to get something. We didn't expect anything back the Lord told us to give. And that gift was, at the time, significant. And God birthed Genesis out of that gift. We've been married 41 years. And our focus, I'm looking at you guys especially, because you're up here being prayed over. But any of you, you don't have to own a business to be blessed, by the way. You be blessed in everything you have and do. But we have focused on one particular thing. Of widows and orphans and those that are in need and children. And we see needs and we see needs and we do what we can. But every time there's an opportunity, when the Holy Spirit speaks, we give. We saw the need with Lee Grady yesterday, pulled out a credit card and gave. We're not anticipating a blessing. We don't have to anticipate it. It's on autopilot. It's God's word. It may not be tit for tat. You may not get the exact amount. You'll get a hundredfold return possibly. But I'm telling you, you can't outgive God. I challenge you to put him to the test. Whether it's an investment, your bank account, or your business, put him to the test. His word does not lie, and he will amaze you at what he will do. I promise you promise you follow his word you follow him and you give you cannot outgive god i do want to correct you you may not know this but i did not use a credit card i use a debit card big difference Man. right and you know when you give Go ahead and take up the extra 3% or whatever it is they, they get charged. I mean, you know, it's a few dollars, but you just can't outgive God, can you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Men give into their bosom, right? That's right. And they give into our bosom. And so we fully expect, uh, we expect these ladies to be blessed because of of all the people that have given. You know, also the Moy Bridge project that you guys were so faithful to help with last year, they're needing people to sponsor a girl for $30 a month. $30 a month to sponsor a girl. That provides counseling. Let me tell you, our counselors make more than $30 per person, especially a month. (laughs) So that's a pretty good deal. So just go to, to Mor- the Mordecai Project, and uh, you can see opportunities to get. We And Terry said something very important. We decided many years ago we were only going to seek and to give to ministries that take care of the widows and the orphans and that are winning the lost. We're not giving anybody by jet planes and airplanes. We don't care about that. We're giving to them to, for the widows, the orphans, and, to, and those who are w- winning the lost. 
And uh, I believe that pleases the Lord. Amen. Those of you that have children, can you imagine having your child in a place where they don't have enough food or, or not getting the counseling they're needing? How, how tragic that is. And they have been abused, yeah. They have been abused. So we're blessed, aren't we? And we're going to stay blessed in this nation. We're not allowing the devil to steal the blessings that God has given to this nation. And that happens through prayer. It happens through prayer. Just before I get started with the message, we're going to be beginning, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday on May 5th. It's a 10-week marriage conference. It's going to be held through Zoom. Okay, where this is the first time we've done something through Zoom like this. It's going to be on Wednesday nights. If you're willing to come, to commit to come for, you know, the 10 sessions, don't come for one or two and then decide it's too much for you, okay? Don't even bother putting your name on the list. <laughs> is that okay? If you're going to come, I mean, now emergencies, we understand. But if you can commit and you want to commit, who is it for? It's for married couples. It's for people that want to get married or planning to get married. But it might be for people who maybe counsel or minister to people who are married. And so it's good for everyone. It's not just good for married couples, but it's especially good for married couples. And how many of us know that marriage is under attack? It is under attack. I mean, they're even trying to redefine what marriage is supposed to look like. A man and a woman, the scripture is very, very clear. It's not two men, two women. That's not marriage. You know, that's dysfunction. And so we, we're going to hear, it's Jimmy Evans and Karen Evans. They're powerful. Marriage on the rock. And I, I love what Susan said. She said, marriage on the rocks. I said, well, it's for those who have marriage on the rocks, but it's marriage on the rock is going to heal the marriage that is on the rocks. So anyway, so we're excited about that. Uh, and, um, you know, it's going to, like I said, it's going to be Zoom. I think it's going to be good. We're doing a lot more through the Zoom, you know, venue. We're we're doing a prayer on Tuesday nights through Zoom. We're doing we're doing the um, spiritual formation face to face through Zoom, and we're able to incorporate some people even out of state that that aren't available, maybe. And you know, the other thing is we're just we want to reach everyone. We just really want to reach everyone, and we also know that people have lives and they're very busy. We know that. We understand that, and that's okay. We want you to be busy. Busy about the Lord, right? So I'm excited about all that we see happening. And Terry and I are going to be leading a marriage conference. I think we drew the short straw because we've been married. Other than Bill and Susan, we've been married, I think, longer than anyone in here. Uh, so uh, we're excited about maybe showing you some of our mistakes, but also some of our successes. But it's going to be really good. We're just going to facilitate, really. So today we're talking about who is really stealing your blessings. Who is really stealing your blessings? And and what would you say, I mean, you don't have to shout out loud, but what's some of the normal answers that we hear? Oh, the devil's stealing my blessing. Well, maybe he might be the root of who's stealing your blessing, but at the end of the day, he's not the reason your blessings are getting stolen, right? And so the first week we talked about blessings and we discussed the fact that we were created with the inherent blessing of God. You were created to be blessed. You were created to be blessed. You, you, can you believe that? And blessing is more than money, right? We've talked about that, although it includes money. It's more than money. And we were created to be fruitful, to be powerful, to be great in number, to be great in authority. And we looked at how the blessing of God overtakes those. He's going to overtake you guys because you're obedient to the word. He's going to overtake us because we're obedient to the word. That's Deuteronomy 28. Last week, we looked at the power of our words, and we looked at how the rhema word is so important that we understand the now word of God. We've got to hear that now word, and especially the day that we're in. We have to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. In prayer last night, we talked about the importance of hearing and praying that now word. You know, let's don't pray what we prayed 20 years ago. The world doesn't even look like it did 20 years ago. We need to pray. What is God saying for today? So many of us are hearing, we've got to get deeper into God, deeper into God. We've got to get deeper here. If we want to see what God is wanting to cause to happen in our families, in our church, in our city, we've got to get deeper. And what does that mean to get deeper? It means to get more intimate with him. It means to get to where we feel his breath on our ear. It's where we wake up in the middle of the night and he's giving us that direction, where we hear that rhema word. And we know it's God. We have to sit around and call five people. Do you think this was God? You know it's God. Nobody can take a rhema word from you. Nobody can take a, a rhema word for you. And many of us, I believe God is speaking, but I don't think that we always hear. And so we have to understand that. And we see people every day who are believers, yet they do not enjoy the blessings of God. They are not walking. They lack peace. 
There's a lot of dysfunction. There's a lot of struggles in their family. They're plagued with sicknesses. And, you know, this, this is not the plan of God, right? That's not the blessing of God. So why is it? We know they love God. They're good people. They're not bad people. They're not even out in sin, which will destroy our blessing, right? Christians can have faith in one area and not in another. They can have faith for their finances, but not for their healing and vice versa. They can have faith for their finances and not for their children or their family. And so we see kind of a whopsided believer. You know, we look good here, but we don't look so good here. But Christians often lack personal discipline that is required to live in the blessings. They often lack the personal um, discipline. And all through Scripture, what are we told? If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord. If you diligently obey the voice. I said last week too, as I said, Logos tells us God is healer. He wants to heal all of our diseases. Rhema tells us the plan he gives us for our healing. Walk this way. Don't walk that way. Do this. Don't do that. Stop this. Your finances. God wants you to be blessed. That's Logos. Rhema's going to tell you how he's going to bless you. Start a business. Start this type of business. Healthy foods. Alternative. What a great concept in the day we're living in. Well, that's just not spiritual. Everything we do is spiritual. There's no separation between the secular and the spiritual. We're all, everything we do is spiritual. Everything we put our hands to is spiritual because it's done for the glory and the honor of God. Or it should be. It should be. And many times we we will see the Bible as a, a book of rules rather than a guide for life. We were kind of talking a little bit about this last night. If When we only see the Bible as a book of rules, what's that telling us? It's telling us we don't really have a relationship with God. It's a book for guiding our lives into, into the blessed life. I was thinking about my car that I have. You know, when I first got in, I'd push the button. It wouldn't start, wouldn't start, wouldn't start. So I had to go to the guidebook, you know, the rule book. And it said, you must have your seatbelt fastened before the car will start. And I could have said, I'm not going to follow that rule. That's a dumb rule. Why should I have to follow that rule? I don't want to buckle my seatbelt. They're trying to control me. This is legalistic. And I can sit in my driveway till Jesus comes, right? So I buckle my seatbelt and things suddenly start to go better with me. But it was designed for a purpose, right? And the same thing happens with the way God has designed our lives. He knows. I was talking to somebody this week and we were talking about how God's word, you know, Jesus, the first thing he said to me was be anxious for nothing. Because I told you before, I was a queen of anxiety. Well, why did God want me to be anxious for nothing? He didn't tell it. He didn't tell me in that book. Well, if you're anxious, all these cortisol levels are going to start increasing. It could increase your risk of heart attack, disease, your immune system could be suppressed. He said, just trust me. Be anxious for nothing. Put your cares upon me. See, God knew how he designed our bodies and our brain. Back in the Old Testament, when he was telling people what they could and could not eat, what was the purpose of that? He knew the damage it would do to the body. And now we look and say, oh, that's why he told us not to eat certain things. It's not good for us. But you work out your own salvation, right? People are different. You have to work it all out together. But when we only look at the Bible as a book instead of a guide for life, we can, we, we can miss the blessing that's found in there. And that's another lesson altogether. It's not even the lesson for today. but Maybe it is. But he knows. And so we as believers, we have to ask ourselves, who is really stealing our blessings? Now, just think about your life. Where are you lacking in blessing? Maybe it's peace. Maybe it's relationship. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's job, career, whatever it might be. Where, where are you missing blessings? And like I said, many's going to say the devil did it. The devil stole it. And like I said, that's partially right. That's partially right. Because as believers, the devil is our greatest adversary. And, and the only tool he can use against you and me is deception. It's the only tool he can use against us. And we're going to show exactly what that means. See, he, you say, what about his power? He has no power that we don't allow him to use. What about his schemes? He has no schemes that we don't allow him to manipulate in our lives. What about, what about his army of followers? Well, you go back and you're reading, especially in the, we're in the book of Judges now. How many times was, was the nation of Israel outnumbered tremendously and God defeated the enemy? Many times, many times. So why would we concern ourselves about an, somebody that's evil and weak and powerless and walks around? He doesn't even have weapons. He doesn't have bullets in his gun. He just makes a lot of noise. So why would we be concerned about that? But so many believers lose their blessings because they're deceived out of them. They are deceived out of them. 
And they're deceived by the enemy who works the same as he did against Eve and Adam in the garden. And this is the way he worked against them. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh, what? Physical pleasure. How many believers have sold out into the doctrine of, you know, I got to have this because it makes me feel good. And it leads to all kind of problems like addictions and obesities and health issues. Nobody's going to tell me I can't eat that. I'll just take a pill. Well, that might not work, but so long. That might not work, but for so long. The lust of the eye, the physical desire for, I got to have more and more and more. I got to have bigger, 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 better, better, better. How about ego? The pride of life. Our fleshly ego. How many times does ego get in our way and what God wants us to do? So deception is the tool. And let me tell you, deception was prophesied from a long time ago. It was prophesied. Let me just give you a few scriptures in the New Testament. Matthew 24, 24, Jesus said, For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. So he's going after the elect, he says, to deceive them if that is possible. Let me. We determine if that's possible or not possible. You determine, I determine. Am I going to allow the devil to deceive me? Well, we're going to show you how you cannot allow it and what it looks like when you do. So uh, Satan is the root of all deceptions. He's the root of all deception. First, let me just give you another scripture. It's not on the slide. First John 4, 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they're from God. We need to know when we're hearing something, is this really God or is it not God? Whether it's from a voice of somebody or what we think is the Holy Spirit. Speaking to us, right? Revelation sixteen thirteen says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of devils working miracles. Devils can work miracles. Devils can work. How do you think they're going to... There has to be some semblance of truth in order for us to be deceived, right? It has to look like the truth for us to be deceived. So the devil can do miracles. Signs and wonders in the in the skies and everywhere else. And then it goes on to say, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle that great day of all of God Almighty. What do we have today? I and mean, we don't see so much of this anymore, but I can remember back not too many years ago, there were lots of stuff, lots of manifestations that people were saying were God. And you know, and I, I asked God one, I said, Give me a dream about some of this. I want to know. You know, there were things like gold dust and feathers and gems and apparitions and gold teeth. Can God do that? Of course he can do that. God could do, he can rain cats and dogs down if he wants to, right? But does he, do we ever see any, any indication in scripture that God is doing any of this stuff? Did Jesus ever grandstand? I'm just saying judge it. I'm not saying, you know, God can do whatever he wants to do. I know people that say they've had gold teeth implanted. I mean, God, if you ever give me a tooth, don't I want it to be gold, right? Who would want a gold tooth in their mouth, right? But say they heard someone else say it, right? Or take it out and sell it or whatever. I had a lady come in one time. Oh, have you seen the gold dust? I said, I'm not looking for the gold dust. Oh, it's such a blessing. Such a blessing in my life. And I looked at the poor lady. I didn't know where she came in. She was hobbling on a cane. She was very sick kind of smelly like a street person i'm thinking and i said well tell me how it's blessed you because i was curious how has this blessed you if we seek after god and don't seek after the manifestation we're going to find god in all the manifestations he wants to give us i was talking last night i read i've been you know i read tozer all the time but he was talking about how the church chases after the whale but never the water it chases after the whale i've got the whale but never the water the water is that refreshing of the spirit. So we come to church and that's the well, but do we really seek the presence of God and the spirit of God while we're here? You know, everything we need can be provided for us here if our hearts are open to receive. If our hearts are open to receive. Second Peter 2, 1 says, but there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who, who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. Do you see where the teaching always seems to lead? Immorality is spoken of so many times in the New Testament. It's a major problem in the church. It was then, it is today, by the way. It's still a major problem. What is it? We just kind of feel like anything's okay with God. Everything goes with God. 
Not his word. His word clearly states what is right and what is wrong, what is acceptable and what is not. And you can twist it any way you want to twist it. The word of God is true. And if you twist it away contrary to what God says, you're going to lose your blessing. You're going to lose your blessing. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. First Timothy 4, 1, the Holy Spirit has explicitly revealed. At the end of this age, many will depart from the true faith one after another, devoting themselves to spirits of deception. Why is it that we want to just follow deception? We were talking uh, recently, Bob Jones was here a few years back, and uh, I, believe, I think he was standing right here, and I believe he prophesied, if I recall correctly, that there was a lying spirit being loosed on our nation. I think more so than we had ever. There's a spirit of delusion. That's what he called it, a spirit of delusion that's being released in our nation. And he specifically, I believe, pointed out the younger generation. The younger generation. Well, I tell you, the older generation is just as susceptible to a spirit of delusion as the younger generation. But it says, in following demon-inspired revelations and theories. Can you think of some demon-inspired theories that are in the earth today? How about Drag Queen Sunday? In a Methodist church, Drag Queen Sunday showed a picture of the drag queen. Let me tell you, the king of kings will knock that drag queen out, I'm telling you. But what kind of demon-inspired revelation and theory is this kind of stuff that's going through our nation? It so opposes the Word of God. I read last night, 139 babies every minute are being destroyed in the womb in this world. 139 a minute. As I think that was over 200,000 a day are being destroyed. That's a revelation of demons. And what's it all about? Convenience. It's about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. And I put on my Facebook, I'm just getting where I'm real by. You know, the church has got to rise up and say some things. You know, you say, well, speak the truth in love. I am. I love you so much. I don't want you following this. Right? That's the way I feel. I said, instead of giving out masks and, and uh, quarantine shots, we need to give out condoms and birth control pills. That, you know, what, that makes no sense what we're doing. We've got our focus crazy on the things of the world and what the devil, these demon-inspired revelations and theatrics and theories... Well, what does the the devil do? The devil targets our senses in three ways. He targets our identity. Let me tell you, the devil is going to target your identity, who you are in God, who you are in Christ. What's he doing? You think about the whole marriage thing, a man and a man, a woman and a woman. A man and a woman represent the image of God. Satan so hates people. Do you realize he hates you? Because you represent the image of God. The devil got kicked out, by the way, and you replaced him. That's another theory all in itself. We're not going to go there. But the devil got kicked out. We replaced him, right? devil hates us. Why do you think he went after Adam and Eve in the garden? They represented the image of God. We're God's masterpiece. So he's going to go after your identity. He's creating confusion in the minds of people over who they are. He's pushing the same-sex marriages. He's, he's behind the abortion issue. He's behind the trafficking issue. It's the spirit of the evil that's behind all of these things. And who has authority over that? The church. The church. We've got to rise up, guys. We've got we to quit being mealy-mouthed and afraid we're going to offend somebody. We've got to get out here and offend them out of hell and into the kingdom of God. That's what we have to do. Do we love them enough to tell them the truth? Let's speak the truth in love, but let's love them enough to tell them the truth. I'm, I'm done with concern that I'm going to offend somebody by telling them the truth. I'm telling you, I'm done with that. That's a, that's a, deplo- that's a, that's a plot of the enemy. It's a plot of the enemy. Oh, don't you do that. They might, they're fragile little cupcakes. Well, they're going to be in hell for the rest of their life, and then who's going to offend them then? We need, Christians are too fragile, let me tell you. You've got to be strong to be a believer. You better know who you are in Christ. And the devil wants to attack that identity. He wants you thinking that you're powerless. That the second thing he wants to attack is your influence. The authority and power that we have over the devil. He doesn't want you knowing that. He doesn't want you knowing that he's underneath your feet. He doesn't want you knowing that when he comes at you with something, you can counter him with the word of truth. He doesn't want you knowing that, that he has to bow his name to the name of Jesus. He doesn't want you knowing that. He doesn't want you knowing we have the resurrection power of Christ inside of us, that same power working in and for us that raised Christ from the dead. 
As sons of God, this is who we are. We're not just supposed to come to church on Sunday morning, clap our hands and go home and let the devil take our school and our government and our and our marriages. We're not supposed to be doing that. I'm not going to be a part of it. I have more important things to do. How about you? I know you do. Shame and guilt destroy our confidence to understand the power and authority. What does he do? He's keep beating you up. Condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. Talked to somebody this week and they had made a mistake and I said, well, have you repented? Yes. I said, why are you beating yourself up? Don't you trust God to repent? And it was like, I never thought about that. Never thought about that before. Trust, if the word says you sin, you, for, you repent, he forgives you and cleanses you. What are you going back to? You throw that out, you have nothing else to lean on. Does that make sense? So the devil wants to to keep us filled with shame and guilt to destroy our confidence so we don't walk any longer in that authority and that confidence of who we are. we gotta, we got to be able to walk into a place and when you sense darkness, the devil's, I'm here busting the devil out of this place. I'm here to take charge of the enemy trying to destroy the lives of my children, my friends, the people we come in contact. We look at every person we meet as a divine encounter and the devil has no victory in that. Every person we meet is a divine encounter. And you, and you, right there, God is setting you up to bring victory into their life. Do we care? The devil wants to strip us of power and influence. And he does that by having things in common with him. What did Jesus say in John? He said, the devil, the evil genius is coming. He has nothing in me. Nothing in me belongs to him. He has no power over me. If we're not walking in power, it's because the devil has too much in common with us. We might want to start examining our hearts. You say, well, I'm not doing this. Are you jealous? Resentment? Bitterness? Bitterness? Immorality? Immoral thoughts? What's your thought life look like? What if we put it on the screen this morning? (sighs) What if we did that? Well, it's on God's screen, let me tell you. And the third thing he wants to target is our sense of importance. Let me tell you, you're important to God. You're important to God because you are representatives of God in the earth today. You are his ambassador. You know, Paul told the church of of Ephesus that he wanted to pray that you would have the understanding that your heart would be enlightened with the hope of the calling that God has placed inside of you. The hope of the calling that you're God's masterpiece. That long before the foundation of the earth, God had already planned this work for us to do. That our hearts could be open to that truth. He's given to us dominion in the earth. We started out with that. The devil wants us to believe that we're insignificant in God's... Everywhere you go, you're a significant part of God's plan if you'll allow yourself. I don't care where you're at. If you're walking to the mall, you're significant. God, just bring them to me. You're a significant part of God's plan. I go and sit down next to somebody. I just assume God has placed this person right here in my life next to me. All right, God, what do you want me to do? Open the door. A waitress. We don't ever get a waitress by happenstance, do we? It's all preordained by God. So what do we do? We want to talk. We want to encourage them. Whatever we can do. Tip them good, by the way. They don't make much. Right? So you are important in the plan of God. So important in the plan of God. Let me tell you, you're important in the plan of your children and your grandchildren. It doesn't matter what they look like they're doing now. Let me tell you one thing. You can, you can speak life into those situations. Speak to those dry bones. We talked about that. May not look good, but let me tell you, speak to those dry bones. You prophesy, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Me and my household will be saved. I don't care what they're doing. That's what you have to, you have to speak the word of the Lord and you don't give up. Well, I see here, I hear some rattling, but I don't see any breath yet. Well, keep speaking, prophesy breath, prophesy life because God has promised it. He has promised it. I'm telling you, the devil is a liar and he will get you to believe anything he can to follow after him. How the devil steals our blessings. There's probably more than these. These are just what came to my mind. Number one is he deceives us to believe God is holding out on his promise. He de- that's what he did with Eve. Oh, God knows if you were, you know, if you eat of this, you're going to be just like him. What does that do? That moves you out of your assigned place. So many people leave their assigned place because the devil is convinced, oh, God's wanting you here. God's got something for you over here. This is better. This is bigger. This is more. And so it takes us out of our assigned place and robs us of our destiny. Robs us of our destiny. Number two, the devil tries to deceive us to believe God's word is no longer relevant or that it's, it's unchangeable. 
It's no longer unchangeable. Because why does the devil do that? Because he knows the blessing is tied to obedience to the word. He knows it. The devil knows that the word of God is our spiritual weapon against him. He knows that Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. He knows that. So he wants to deceive us into thinking, how many, have you, how many times have you heard this? It's not relevant for today. It makes no sense today. Well, I don't know what book they're reading. It's more relevant today than it's ever been in my life. I don't know what book people are reading when they say it. Well, number one, they're not reading. Most believers don't read the Word of God. That's it. They don't read the Word of God, right? You ever taken a test in high school or college and you didn't read your text before you went in? You flunked, didn't you? Yeah, you got to read the Word. you got to read the book. Number three, that deceives us to believe that God is angry at us and has withdrawn His presence. Again, it keeps us in that state of... Well, you know what you did. You know, I shouldn't have done that. Well, you didn't, but it's the past. Forget it. It's done. There's nothing we can do about the past. We're moving forward. But God has forgiven. See, the devil's there with shame and guilt and condemnation. How many of us, the devil would love... I mean, every one of us could pull something out of the closet, right? But God's got a padlock on it. You know, we've got to get out of the past, guys. We got devil. If the devil can keep you in the past, he's robbed you of your future. We've got to get out of the past. He produces such a state of depression on us. Depression. How many, how many people in a 20-mile radius and 100,000 100, in a 20-mile radius suffer with major depressive disorder, which means they've been on at least three to four meds, four meds, unsuccessfully. That's, that's statistics. That's statistics. You're thinking, how, out of those 100,000, how many are believers? How many are pastors? Yeah. How many are pastors? I, I, I told you before, we had a lady come to us one time who worked in the school system, and she was so majorly depressed she didn't even want to live. I said, well, have you been to your school nurse? She said, I did, but she was more depressed than me. Seriously. I said, she needs to come see. She said, I told her she does. So we have that blind helping the blind, right? The lame trying to help the lame to walk. Depression is a state, it produces a state of depression. And what does that do? Why try? I might as well give up on my dreams. I don't have any goals or visions. I might as well give it up. Depression is an attack of the enemy on your mind that makes you believe you're something that God says you're not. Depression disqualifies you. And it keeps, you know, there's a, there's a formula for depression. You put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's God's prescription. You put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And you'll see how quickly you can come out. Let's just see now who are some characteristics of a deceived believer. This is right out of the word, okay? This is not out of psychology today. This is right out of the word of God. Number one, a deceived believer is a hearer and not a doer of the word of God. James 1.22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. In other words, I hear it, but it's like looking in that mirror and, oh, I forgot. And I turn away and I forgot what I look like. I see the smudge here, but I forgot what I look like. I hear the word, but I don't really want to do the word. See, we're blessed in our doing, not in our hearing. You're blessed in your doing. A deceived believer says he has no sin. 1 John 1 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we don't admit our sin, then we can't repent of our sin, right? And if we don't repent of our sin, then we cut the blessing off from our life because God doesn't hear sinners, right? So how do we know if we have sin? How is it what is in contradiction to the word of God in our life? Well, Jesus made it real simple. You love God with all your heart and you love your neighbor like you love yourself. And if all the law, all the prophets hang on those two things, what does that look like? I don't talk about you, Tammy. I don't, I don't gossip about you. I don't take from you what doesn't belong to, to me. You know, I don't do those things. I don't run around with somebody. I'm not immoral. Those are the things that the Word of God talks about. I don't have other gods before me like my job, my business, my church. My kids, my family that are more important to me than God. Those are idols. Those are all idols. So we, we do not, we, a deceived believer says, well, I don't have any sin in my life. I'm doing pretty good. And many times the mark is, well, if they've got money in the bank, well, I must be doing pretty good because God's blessing me. Or my kids are doing okay. My family's okay. I don't know. Yeah, I'm doing okay. And you got jealousy and strife and resentment and bitterness and gossip, depression, anxiety, all these things. 
A deceived believer thinks himself to be wise with the wisdom of the world. 1 Corinthians 3.18 says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. So wise with the wisdom of the world separates us from God. The wisdom of the world will separate. The wisdom of the world tells you all this stuff that we see going on is okay, right? That's what the wisdom of the world tells us. It's a lie. It's a lie, and it separates us from God. I remember, I think it was, it was January 25th, inauguration, or 21st, inauguration day, whatever day it was. On January 26th, the Lord spoke to me and said that there was a throne of Baal established in Washington this week. It's clear as a bell. There's no doubt in my mind that God did not say that to me. And I wrote a blog on it. You can go read it. But what does that spirit of Baal represent? Everything that's anti-God. Immorality. Abortion. Homosexuality. All the perversions is what is associated with Baal. Now, we as believers have the authority to tear down those principalities and powers. Are we praying? Do we care? Are we praying? God's calling for the church to rise up and quit being wimps and get in there and come against the power of darkness and tear down this stuff. We've got to say it's not okay. It's not okay with me. It's not okay that my school's teaching crap to my children. It's not okay. The deceived believer seems to be religious, but he has an unbridled tongue that reveals his true condition. Go through all the motions, but yet you're critical, backbiting, gossiping. You see what it says. Uh, James one twenty six. if anyone thinks he's religious, does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. A person who thinks he will sow and not reap what he sows. Let me tell you, in this nation, you cannot expect not to reap what we're, the, what is being sown in this nation, but for the grace of God, except for the grace of God. I'm praying, God, intervene, God, intervene. Your word declares it. But let's bring it down home. You know, we can't sow discord and not have discord. We can't sow strife and not have strife. Can't do it. You can't sow immorality and not have the fruit of it. Characteristics of a deceived believer, he thinks the unrighteous will inherit the kingdom of God. Gosh, that's such a big thing. Do do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And this is how he defines the unrighteous. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. Can we make it any clearer than this? They're not going to receive, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But, you know, I, I really don't think that's relevant for today. Or ride that belief right into the pit of hell, right? Finally, he thinks that contact with sin will not have any effect upon him. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Who are you hanging out with? Bad company ruins good morals. You better be careful who you're hanging out with. Deception comes from the lack of love of the truth of God. Romans 1, 28, 29 says, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking. Let them do the things they should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, Greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. Because they did not have a love for the truth. Because they did not honor God for who He is. I want to ask us, do we have a love for the truth? Are we hearers and not doers? I love reading the Word, but do you do what the Word says? Do I do what the Word says? I just love the Word. I could sit and read it all day, right? Most of us like that. We're a bunch of nerds in here. We can, right? But let me tell you, what are we doing when we go outside our front door? Are we putting the Word into practice? Or is it just a bunch of intellectual knowledge? A lot of people have intellectual Christianity. They can quote Scripture all day long, but it's not a part of their life. So how do we combat it? Ephesians 6, 11, and 12 says, put on the full armor of God. What is that? We could do another teaching. That's a whole teaching altogether. Put on the full armor of God that you can stand against the devil's schemes. That word schemes means a way of doing something deceptive, especially in a systematic way, implies an orderly, logical arrangement. Jesus called him in one translation an evil genius. He orderly, and systematically is scheming against your life, my life, this nation. This, you know, what we see going on didn't just happen January 21st. It has been going on for decades. 
But he has to get the right door, the right person, the right group in charge. And because then that door gets open and he can pour his evil into the nation. Whoever's in authority is very, very important. Whether it's in a church, a business, a nation, a home. When the devil can get the right door open, he can pour in all his evil junk. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. 1 Peter 5 8 says, Be self controlled and alert. Your devil, the enemy, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The easiest way to know who to devour is by listening to what's coming out of our mouth. The devil can, you know, just give him an open door. Well, I don't know if I can ever do this. I'm so sick. I'm never going to get well. I'm never going to be blessed. My kids are never going to. And the devil, what does he do? We just give him, go get him, devil. Go get him. We put an assignment of evil against our life. And that's what a curse is. That's what an occur- a curse is. Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. I love this scripture. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons. This is a passion. Using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses that word is strongholds in the Greek. So we have this divine power. We are energized to, to dismantle the strongholds behind which people hide. And that's what we hide behind strongholds. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow against the anointed one. That is powerful. Do we understand how powerful this is? That word stronghold means castle, fortress, anything on which one relies upon. It says of the arguments and reasoning by which a disputant endeavors to fortify his opinion and defend it against his, his opponent. So there's a huge strongholds in our nation, in our world. And, and sometimes we think, oh, well, that's just my personality. No, personality and strongholds are two different things. Strongholds start in the mind and strongholds are, that, are, uh, that are damaging or in opposition to the Word of God. They oppose truth. Strongholds are deceptive ideas that are taken hold of and they're allowed to take root in our life and it's all based on fallacy. It's all based... If I, I just take that drug and I'll feel better, then I'll take another one. Then I'll take... I just take one look at porn and I'll be okay. Then I'll feel better and I'll feel better. And we, get, we develop these habits. We develop this stronghold. Strongholds bring believers into captivity. Let me give you some examples of mental strongholds. I'm speaking the truth in love to you, okay? These are examples of mental strongholds. Anxiety is a mental hole. Well, I just have an anxious personality. No, you don't. You have a stronghold. We need to break the stronghold off of you. There's no, God didn't create you to be anxious, right? He didn't create any of us to be anxious. He said, be anxious for nothing, by the way. So that's a stronghold. Despair, lack of hope and discouragement. That's a stronghold. That's a stronghold. We have to look at ourselves and say, how did this get planted into my mind? How do I tear this thing out? Fearfulness. We live in a society that is consumed with fear. There's no excuse for people not to be back in churches at this point in time. I was talking to somebody just in the last week or so who said their church has still yet to open. Still yet to open. That's a disgrace. That's a disgrace. They're fearful. We have people running around all over the place. I got to get this. I got to get that. I got to get this shot so I won't die of something that has a very low percentage of you even dying. Our our doctor friend sent us an email this week showing that more people are dying from the vaccination every day than they're dying from COVID. But see, people are afraid. They'll believe anything. Just give me a shot and fix me. Judgmental attitudes. Who are we judging? That's something I pray about because, man, I can size somebody up in a heartbeat. And I still, I'm still working on that. Let me tell you. Somebody said something to me this week, and it really kind of got under my skin. And the Lord said to me, okay, I'll deal with him. Let's deal with you. What's your problem? Why is this bothering you? What's in you that got triggered? Quit judging him and let's talk about you. See, when you have a relationship with God, this is the way he talks to you. 
He didn't come and say, oh, well, you know, they should never have said that. I don't know. They just don't respect you. No, I'll deal with them. Let's deal with you. I'm just being transparent. Well, that's my, my, this is the excuse I used to, I spent a lot of years in analytical chemistry, so I, I constantly was tearing stuff apart. So I'd say, oh, it's just my personality because my mind has been trained to do this. The, the Lord told me when they hogwash, it's a stronghold. It's a stronghold and quit making excuses for it. Because when I judge you, I make myself feel better. How about performance orientation? Everything I do, I do the dance so somebody's going to pat me on the back. I just want you to, I just want to please you. I don't want to tell you the truth because it might offend you and then you won't like me. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Don't you love your children enough to tell them the truth? You're not going to lead them in because you don't want to hurt their feelings, precious little things. Hurt their feelings. Save their lives. Save their souls. How about lust field? We live in a culture that feeds lust. Well, you've got to turn off whatever it is that's feeding the lust. Above all we guard, we're to guard our mind and our heart. These form strongholds in our mind. I had one guy tell me who happened to be a pastor several years ago, well, you know, a man's got his needs. That was his excuse for running around having sex with women. A man's got his needs. I said, again, they're defined in Scripture how to handle those needs. Get you a wife and quit running around with women. You know he didn't come back for any more counseling. I don't understand that. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. He <laughs> cleared my calendar right up, yes. <laughs> How about filled with pride? No, I'm just confident. There's a difference between confidence and pride. Confidence is, it moves you forward, pride will up. Confidence will move you forward, pride will lift you up. Self-righteousness. Everybody's wrong with me. We're the only ones with the truth. We were exposed to that in our early years as, in, as baby believers. Everybody else was wrong but where we were going. Nobody else had the truth but us. It didn't matter who it was, there was something wrong with them. I never understood that. Finally, it dawned on me after reading, I thought, well, can everybody be wrong but us? That was the question I think I went, can everybody be wrong but us? How is that possible that nobody knows the truth but us? It's called a cult. That's what it was. Some think it's personalities, like I said, but it's not personalities, but it's mental strongholds that manifest themselves through or in our personality. If we are filled with pride... You know how that manifests as a narcissistic personality disorder. If we're filled with fear, then it's going to manifest itself as a depressive disorder in our personality. If we're in, you know, if we're filled with judging people all the time, it's going. It's going, that's another narcissistic personality. If we don't get it under control, there's a lot of personality disorders, but they're fed by these mental strongholds. You have the authority. I have the authority to break these at any point in time we want to. Because as we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that's raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God, you and I have that authority. Let me tell you, most of the time it's not going to happen while you're sitting in front of seven hours filling your mind with TV or Internet or whatever it is. We've got to get deep into God. I'm telling you, if you want to get deep into God, you've got to get rid of some of these distractions. We have got to get rid of these distractions. You're not going to find God on the Internet. You're not going to find Him in your games on the Internet. You're not going to find Him on Facebook. You better get into your closet and pursue God with everything you got. This is the day we're living in. It's a serious time, guys. It's a serious time. I'm giving you a bunch of to-dos here. Recognizing deceptive strongholds. All this is on the website, by the way. I read earlier, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God or not. Don't believe every, don't believe, don't think just because you had a thought that it's from God. How does it compare to the word? Most of us have thoughts that aren't from God, right? We can't control all of our thoughts. The devil can put a thought in your mind. 
But you, we control whether or not we got to judge it. We judge that quick. This is not of God. I get rid of that thought. I rebuke that thought. It's got to bow its knee to the Word of God. Just like my little judging thing. Well, God's you know God's called me to do this, and who are they? No, God said no. Let's deal with your problem. See, first that thing developed an attitude. Ended up hating that person. When in essence that person was a blessing. And this happens a lot. So y'all, I mean, this is the way we live life, right? Recognizing deceptive strong. Let me ask you some questions. Are you living free from sin? If you're living in sin, you got to start there. You can't live in sin and expect what I've just said to you today. You can't be free from sin if you're living in sin. What did Jesus say? The devil has no power in me because he has nothing in common with me. If you're looking at pornography, if you're involved in immorality, the devil has that in common with you. You're never going to get free until you rebuke that stronghold and get rid of that sin in your life. Repent. Ask Holy Spirit to come in. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Number two, do you find it difficult to walk in the revealed will of God? Ezekiel says, I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Oh, it's too difficult. This is not the same. It's not relevant for today. We just read where it says that those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. God put a different heart in us, a different spirit in us. I'm crying out to God, God, where are the radical Christians? I asked him that this week. Where are the radical Christians? Where are the ones that have radical transformation? Where are the ones that, that see your face and, Lord, they turn 180 degrees without having to go through 15 programs? Where are the ones, God, that's going to seek you in the prayer closet? Let me tell you, they're here. They're in this city. I was, I was praying with a pastor friend of mine this week, and, and she said the same thing that we have said so many times praying. She said she saw a vision of the city, and there's lights all over the city. Lights all over the city. And it represented people, not pastors, people in churches or who are pushing and pursuing God. They're there. They're out there. We're praying, God, bring us together. Bring us together. We don't have time to play with those who want to flirt with sin and then come in and tell you what God's saying to them. I don't want to hear it. Right? I'm not judging. I just, I don't have much time. <laughs> the older I get, the less time I have for frivolity in the body of Christ. Let me tell you. Number three, do you find it difficult to live in self-control and freedom from fear or to live with a sense of hopelessness? Are you ho- Why are you hopeless? He said, we have this great hope that Christ has given to us. We have no reason for hopelessness. Regardless of what is happening, God is there. God is good. God can turn every situation. Don't allow yourself to be filled with hopelessness. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Romans 12.12, let this hope burst forth within you, releasing the continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Hope, spending time with God. Is the fruit of the Spirit evident in our lives? There's somebody have to dig through. Let me see, I know there's some in there somewhere. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Self-control. Gentleness, peace, love, joy. I want to go back to this love thing. We so distorted that. You know, God by love is the love that God does that's in our best interest. Ahava love in the Hebrew is that love that God has for us, that He recognizes a need and He only responds in a way that's in our best interest. It doesn't mean just, you know, letting people go and continue in their way, knowing it's leading to destruction because you don't want to hurt their silly feelings. That's a sin, I believe. We have to tell the truth. We love people, but we love them enough to tell them the truth. Lastly, do you struggle with intimacy with God? The more you spend time with other things, the less time you're going to have and the less and the more difficulty you're going to have in having intimacy with God. If I'm spending all my time with somebody else through the week and I come home to my husband, I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to 
see you. Because my affections are on something else, someone else. Whether it's a person or a thing, doesn't matter. Do you have trouble with intimacy with God? That's what our face-to-face is all about. How do we get into that intimate place? It's not about rules and regulations. It's about relationship. It's about understanding the heart of God and the passion that He has for us. It's about pushing into that presence. And He's so wonderful. How do we do this? We renew our minds in the Word. I'm just going to quickly read Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's how we do it. We got where we're at through repetitious acts. We get out of that through repetitious acts. We replace the evil with the good. We reprogram our lives. We create new neural pathways. We create new habits. And we create habits in the way. That's why he said to meditate on the word day and night. Day and night. You meditate on the word day and night. You're not meditating on what the TV is saying, what the news is saying. Let's stand if you will. I'm going to tell you, this is the key to blessing if you'll just apply it for all of us. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't believe that God's word isn't relevant. That's your first deception. Don't believe you can be a hearer only and not a doer. Don't believe the devil has your best interest because he has nothing but your destruction in his mind. He has nothing but destruction for you. God has only good in store for you. Don't believe the devil's lie when he says God's never going to change that. You know, boy, you've done it now. No, that's a lie from the enemy. That's a lie from the enemy. It doesn't matter what you see. It's what the Word says. Whose report do you believe? We believe the report of the Lord, don't we? We believe the report of the Lord. I want to open the altar as, as Dan and the worship team come and sing and do whatever we're going to do. I just want to open. I just feel the presence of God here. He wants to bring deliverance in your life today. You're still struggling with hopelessness, despair, depression, anxiety. Get up here and get free. The presence of the Lord will set you free in this place. If you're dealing with lustful thoughts, if you're dealing with just attitudes, get free. Don't leave here with that same stuff. God didn't give it to you but he'll take it from you if you'll just hand it to him. So let's come on. Let God do the work he wants to do. Bless you, bless you, bless you, Lord. Thanks, the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom there is liberty God we thank you alright let's try it again when the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom fear fear I keep hearing the Lord say fear there's so many people that are consumed with fear fear of the future there is freedom don't let the devil rob you of your future Lift your eyes to heaven. Lift your eyes to heaven. There is freedom. Lift your eyes to heaven. Lift your eyes to heaven. There is freedom. Freedom reigns in this place. Freedom reigns in this place. Showers, showers of mercy and grace on every face, falling on every face. There is freedom. Freedom reigns in this place. Freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace falling on every face. 
there is freedom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. If you're tired and thirsty, there is freedom. If you're tired and thirsty, there is freedom. Give your all to Jesus. Give your all to Jesus. There is freedom. Give your all to Jesus. There is freedom. Freedom reigns in this place. Freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace falling on every face. There is freedom. place, showers of mercy and grace, falling on every face, there is freedom. I keep hearing, and I don't know if this is who this is for, maybe somebody on the internet, somebody here, but Lord, I just keep hearing, you know, don't, don't think, well, I'll just, another time, another time, a more convenient time. I'm okay now, but, you know, maybe I'll, work, I'll deal with it. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And I don't use emotional pleas, but I'm just telling you, I keep hearing this in my spirit. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Deal with it today. Why, why go another day? Why sleep with the frogs another night? Well, you don't have to. You don't have to struggle with anxiety and depression and hopelessness. Lust. You don't have to. Because God is a God of freedom. Whatever we hold on to is nothing compared to what God has in exchange for us. Nothing the world has can compare to what God has for us. But we get so comfortable. We're comfortable in our dysfunction. We've gotten so many uh, so many uh, skills at handling my dysfunction. I'm comfortable with my anxiety. It's kind of who I am. It marks me. No, it doesn't. It's a, it's a disorder. I'm comfortable with my depression. No, don't be comfortable with it. But we learn how to cope with it. I'll just take one more pill. One more counseling session. Just like that, God wants to bring deliverance. Just like that. I've seen it happen. Comfortable. with my. I like my lust. It'll destroy you. It'll destroy you. The devil's a liar. Remember, everything he says to you is a lie. He has nothing but your ill will in mind. Don't leave here with your junk. Don't spend another day with your junk if you're on the internet watching. Get rid of it. And let learn how to hear that precious voice that'll say, mm-hmm, I'll deal with him, let's deal with you. I thank God for that. It's freedom. And he's the only one that can do it anyway. God, we pray for these that are here, Lord. I thank you, Father God, for freedom. We break the power of the devil off of their lives. We break demonic influences out of their mind. God, I pray you go and you recreate brain pathways, Lord, that need to be recreated, Father God. Lord, that you give them that divine energy. That same energy that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and at work in the lives of these precious people, Lord. God, they want to walk in freedom and authority. God, we we declare and let it be, Lord. Devil, you're not robbing them of their destiny. Get out of their head. Get out of their lives. Get out of their finances. Get out of their bodies. We take authority over you, Satan. You bow your knee to the word of the Lord. You bow your knee to the word of the Lord. And we break every deceptive fantasy that you have implanted into the minds of God's people. We take authority over it. We break it in the mighty name of Jesus. And we walk in that freedom. Step by step. Step by step. You do the next right thing. 
You just make the next right decision. And you make the next right decision. Don't worry about next week. You make the next right decision. Make it through today. You just do the next right thing. You say no when you need to say no. You say yes when you need to say yes. You put up what you need to put up. You take on that relationship. God is good, isn't he? Wow, the presence of God is just incredible. Such a presence. Such a weighty presence. Because God wants to, he just wants to set us free. Amen. You don't have to live in misery one more day. You don't have to sleep with the frogs one more night. That's out of the book of Exodus. Study your Bible if you don't know what that means. We eat giants for our bread. Where's that from? Study that one. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. We thank you, Father, for the tangible presence of God. We thank you for the delivering power of God. Thank you, God, that we walk on top of the enemy. We, let's just do that. Let, we just squash him under our feet. We squash him under our feet. What a liar he is. Every power, every principality is underneath our feet. Every lie is underneath our feet. In the name of Jesus, we bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Bless. Give somebody a holy hug. Give you all Jesus. There is freedom. Freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace. Falling on every face. There is freedom. Showers of mercy and 